So being aware of the fact that Jesus said a lot of, a lot of things that are a little bit confounding, uh, a little misunderstood, and a lot a bit challenging. Come on, if you've read the New Testament, some of the things that Jesus said, he challenges in ways that uh, most of us don't really want to be challenged. Like sometimes being a Christian isn't as much fun as it was before. The difference being, when you wake up the next morning, you're still as fulfilled as you were the night before if you obey the Holy Spirit instead of abiding in the flesh. So God is not only too good to not believe, God is too good not to serve. God is too good not to obey. God is too good not to follow. Can I get some help at 9.30? God is too good. He is too good. For me to not continue in the path that he has for me. And when he shows me something in my life, I need to adhere. I need to obey. All right, this week, going to be a little bit of a divine echo of Pastor Weston's message from last week. And, and I think he did a great job filling the pulpit last week. Look at you. Look, thank you. They clapped for you before they even clapped about what I was saying. That's awesome. Good. I'll leave again. Uh, hey, no, so I love, I love the fact that this ministry is not built around an individual. This ministry is built around a team of individuals. And, and, and on a team, when one person is away, another person just steps up. Come on, when, when one person has to be moved, another person just moves right in. And that is the, the essence of a team. And so I listened to his message last week, and, and I always listen for two reasons, so that you'll know that, that I listen even when I'm away, and so that they'll know when they're preaching, I'm listening. And so, uh, hey, he, he did a great job just elaborating, if you will, on this casual conversation that Jesus and Nicodemus were having. And I want to visit this man, Nicodemus, one more time. I know that we've talked about him a good bit this summer, but I want to hone in on his life one more time. Um, and I want to talk more about the core of this conversation today, dig just a little bit deeper. I want to preach you a message today called, If You Miss This, You Miss Heaven. It's important. If you miss the core of this conversation that Jesus was having with Nicodemus, then you miss the kingdom of God. You miss what God has for you, which is ultimately receiving you into his kingdom. John chapter 3, one more time. Verse 2, after dark one evening, Nicodemus came to speak with Jesus. And that's why we give him the nickname Nick at night, because he came I know, and about five people laugh at that every time we do that joke. And so for you four or five, we're going to keep doing it, even though it's always been cheesy. All right, so he says, Rabbi, this is important. Nicodemus recognized that Jesus was a teacher. Nicodemus confesses, teacher. Okay? And then he continues, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. This is a big deal. This is a teacher of the law, a Pharisee, which arose during the days of Babylonian captivity. And it actually started, the Pharisees, you know, has kind of become a, a little bit of a bad household name these days. But it originated 
with pure intent. The Pharisees arose during Babylonian captivity because there were some who were adhering to Assyrian faith and Babylonian faith and kind of intermingling their faith with the faith of pagan nations. And the Pharisees came together and said, no, 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 we're going to obey God's law. It was pure in intent, but it became arrogant, which is what a lot of Christians have it anyway. So we all know that God has sent you to teach us. And then he confirms it. He confessing again, your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. All right. So, so Nicodemus is confessing what Jesus does. He confesses what Jesus is doing. But hear me, there is a difference between confessing what God does and who God is. Nicodemus is confessing what he recognizes Jesus has the ability to do, but he has not in this passage confessed Jesus as Lord. He has not confessed who he believes Jesus is. Hey, if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down with us. You can also look on the back of your bulletin or go to unischurch.com slash notes, and those are available for you. Um, or you could just use a pen and not be lazy. Number one, <laughs> no, sorry. Number one, we need personal time with Jesus. We need personal time with Jesus. Uh, I heard three possible, these are just three, I'm sure there's more, but three possible reasons or explanations that Nicodemus would meet with Jesus at night. Why would he meet with him at night? Well, the first one is, is he was afraid. He was afraid to be seen with this new person who's drawing another crowd. Understand that for 400 years between the prophet Malachi and the opening of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, for 400 years, there had not been a prophecy, and there had not been a prophecy fulfilled. In fact, the only miracle that is even documented for 400 years of Jewish history is the Maccabean miracle. It was in the revolt of the Maccabees. Supposedly, they lit a candle over the altar of God and they only had enough oil for one day and it takes several days to make the oil and in order for them to make the oil they needed to keep the candle burning and the candle continued to burn even in the midst of making the oil for seven or eight days. It's the only thing that is recorded in Jewish history as God moving or, say, or making any statement whatsoever. It was God saying, hey listen, my light's still shining and you can't make it shine. I make it shine. So for 400 years, nothing had been said, but a lot of people had risen up and said a lot of things, right? A lot of people had caused, brought together coalitions, and, and a lot of people had falsely prophesied, and a, a lot of people had come forth and drawn crowds and put people together and said that God was saying things and God wasn't saying. Just kind of like today, that, that still happens. In other words, don't follow the crowd. Don't even follow the person that the, the crowd is following. We need personal time with Jesus. And so Nicodemus, he came in and, and he didn't want to attach himself to this new person, right, that has another following. Number two, the second thing is he could just be busy during the day. Maybe he just met with him at night because he was 
busy during the day. He, he had pharisaical responsibilities, and I don't mean that in a blasphemous way, but he had responsibilities throughout the day that he had to do. Um, he, he, he was a prominent man. He was a wealthy man, he, and he worked. He worked for a living. Um, and so possibly he met at, at night because, you know, his children and life and everything going on is just absolutely crazy and nuts in the middle of the day and it's he needed to lay his children down so he could focus on kind of what you're saying and so Nicodemus maybe Nicodemus I don't even know if he had children but it was just kind of putting myself in that perspective um but then finally and and I really like this one it's possible that Nicodemus met with Jesus at night because he wanted to spend some quality time with Jesus some personal time some time away from the crowd. Some time that wasn't planned for, from or by somebody else. In fact, the Pharisees, the Jewish scholars understood. It was common knowledge that if, if you really wanted to hear from God and you wanted to get along with God, you could light a candle in the darkness and you could get along in the scriptures. And, and they believed at that time that that God would speak more clearly to them if they were to get along with him when nobody else was around specifically at night guys I'm I'm telling you if you want to become the person that God created you to be Sunday is biblical physically gathering together in groups large and small is a very biblical principle but it's not enough only spending time with Jesus in public is not enough. It's biblical. So I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You're right. You can be a disobedient Christian and not gather together with the rest of the saints. You can do that. You're totally welcome to. That's between you and Jesus. But, but we grow, I believe, in the most personal way when we get away from everything and everybody else. And we spend time with Jesus alone. Hear me, I'm for small groups. I love small groups. I will lead multiple small groups and be a part of more small groups than I wanted to be. I believe so much in small groups. I believe in freedom groups and the Freedom Conference. We have seen people delivered of all kinds of things in a 12-week curriculum with just a 24-hour conference at the end. And if you've never been a part of those, or even if you have, I highly recommend you getting plugged into a small group. We take time every week, every week we record a 10 to 15-minute message for our midweek Bible study because we have given our students and our children this campus on Wednesday nights. Here's why, and I have time in 930. The reason that we did that is because, number one, we wanted to provide you an opportunity to bring your children up to this building and have oversight and, and have basically child care and ministry all at the same time. But we wanted you to take advantage of that moment and get in a small group. We wanted you to take advantage of that moment, bring your children to us, and go have coffee with your spouse for the first time this week. Bring your children to us and go meet with a friend that you haven't been able to meet with. Go whatever, do whatever, be anywhere that you want to and grow somehow instead of just having another large group gathering, which we found out we were really good at. Let's get alone or let's get in a one-on-one a -on -one discipleship group or maybe a one person with just two other people. 
and listen to 10 to 15 minutes of an explanation of the book of Acts. And then pray and ask God what he's saying to you. Hear me. Sunday and small groups is not what God is saying to you. It's you hearing what God has already said to somebody else. And I'm for you hearing what God has already said to somebody. God's entire word is full of things that he has already said to somebody else. But if you want a personal word for you, you ain't getting it in public. If you want a personal, authentic word for you, you got to get along with Jesus and spend some personal time in his word. In prayer. So that the Holy Spirit doesn't just say things to me that you hear. Or to your small group leader that you hear, and those are biblical, we're for those. But we want you to hear from God for yourself. It was when Nicodemus got along with Jesus that he heard this foundational truth. Number two, write this down. We must be born again. We must be born hear me it is not enough to just become part of a church it is not enough to just serve god many will say unto me on that day lord lord did i not prophesy in your name cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name yes you did judas but you did not believe you were not obedient And I will look unto them and tell them plainly, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity, you evildoer. Jesus replies in John chapter 3, verse 3. This is why we're digging in this week. I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now just leave that there for a second because this is an interesting response. I mean, Nicodemus, this is a wealthy man. He's a man of influence. He's not just a religious guy. Like, he's not just a Bible belt, born and raised, heard about Jesus all his life. No, no, no. He's, he's a religious leader. Like, he leads other religious people. He wasn't just a pastor. He was like a pastor of pastors. And he sits down with Jesus and he says, Jesus, I recognize that you are a teacher, that you have come to teach us many things. And I recognize that God's mighty works are upon you and we see the evidence. And Jesus is like, oh, okay, that's cool. You're going to hell. Like that was Jesus' opening line. No icebreaker. No, hey, I appreciate those kind things. Oh, awesome. I'm glad you think I'm a teacher like you. You know what? Unless you're born again, you're going to hell. Now, that would have taken most people back, right? If you come meet with me and sit down and start sharing your heart, and I'm like, that's awesome. You're going to hell. You're probably not going to schedule another meeting with me. In fact, that's kind of how I am. So I really only meet with a lot of people once. (laughs) That's why I recommend that they meet with somebody besides me. Because I'm like, look, I got things to do and you just need to live for Jesus. You read your Bible and live for Jesus. That's the best sermon I can preach. That's all you got to do to get where God has for you. Anyways, Jesus says to him, you must be born again or you're not going to see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Uh, I, uh, I called uh, a man that has become a great friend of mine, Mr. Kent Aguilar, earlier this week. And, and I asked a lot of people, because this is a little bit confounding, right? You must be born again. And I asked this question, what does it mean to be born again? 
Like, we've read it. You listen to Pastor Weston's message. But have you really thought about it? Man, what does that mean? What does it mean? Even Nicodemus was like, must I re-enter into my mother's womb? Jesus was like, don't be sarcastic with me. <laughs> no, he didn't do it. That's what I would have done. Jesus, Jesus was very gracious. Jesus said, no, you can't just be born of blood and water. You must be born again of the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, John Wesley preached this sermon, you must be born again, 310 times in the same year. 310 times. And so finally, you know, kind of like you guys would do if I just did it three times, someone confronted him like, hey, uh, pastor, great message again. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but, but you have been preaching the same sermon over and over again now. And, and I like, we get like, you must be born again. You you've preached. Why do you keep preaching the same sermon over and over again? And John Wesley looked back at the person that confronted him. And he said, because you must be born again. Specifically, here's what he was saying. You start living it. I'll start preaching something else. <laughs> that's what pastor. Why you preach the same message? Why you live the same way? All right. So anyways, that's, <laughs> <clears throat> Jesus, a man of influence. Nicodemus, this is interesting to me. Nicodemus was one of the most 70 influential people in all of Judaism. Okay, so like one of the most 70 influential people in all of the Roman Catholic Church. One of the most seven influential people in all of the Southern Baptist Convention. One of the most influential in all of the executive presbytery of the assemblies of God. And he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the highest Jewish court. It was the ecumenical council. It was the executive presbytery meeting of all the who's who's of Judaism. And he would interpret scripture. And by the way, his interpretation was considered law. Careful. Careful when you begin to take God's word, add your own interpretation, and call that just as authoritative as what God said. That's a dangerous ground. Don't you ever take what I say as God's absolute word. You test everything that is said. Don't trust me. Trust Jesus. Jesus stared back at this religious leader, this man of significant wealth who, who brought a hundred pounds of spices to anoint Jesus' body with Joseph of Arimathea. He was wealthy. This man of influence. This man of prestige and popularity. Jesus looked back at him and said, Hey, I recognize your prominence. I recognize your influence. I recognize your ability to interpret God's word. But you're dead in your sins. I recognize your position in your church, but, but you're a dead man walking. You must be born again. That's a scary truth. And yet Jesus didn't just leave it there. Jesus began to expound in this context. What does it mean to be born again? In all that, Nicodem all that Nicodemus was and, and all that Nicodemus had and, and all of Nicodemus' followers, Jesus said, Nicodemus, you're lost. You need to be saved. 
I know you've been hearing this all your life and, and you're abiding by some really good rules, but you don't have relationship with me. And until you do, you're a dead man walking. Here's the point of that whole part there is there should be a moment or moments in our lives that we can point to as our salvation experience, as our born again experience. There should be a moment. This is really, listen, if you miss this, you could miss heaven. There should be a moment or moments in our lives that we point to as our salvation experience. Our born again moment and or moments, whatever you need. Because it's not about becoming a member of a church. It's not about an ecumenical society. It's not about the presbytery and it's not about the dream team and the small. That, that is a byproduct. Sundays are a side dish of what God has for you every day of the week. And you need personal time with Jesus. But in that personal time with Jesus, you have to come to a place where you understand that you must be born again. A few years back, I, I read a little book. I believe it was written by a man named J.D. Greer. It's a little yellow book. It caught my attention. It said, stop asking Jesus into your heart. I should have known a stupid title would follow with context, but I just, I was like, okay, I'm interested. And, and the point that he was trying to make was it would be even better if we could just look back at our lives and not have a path that we point to and go, well, that's when I didn't live for Jesus and this is when I did. That was the point he was trying to make. Like, you don't have to rebel. You don't have to go through a season where you're not following Jesus. You could just look back and say, I, I, don't, I don't know. I've just always been following Jesus. Which is a good idea, you know, in the way that it was presented. But here's the problem. I don't want my children to just look back, to just look back and say, I don't know. I've always just followed Jesus. Like, I want them to. But I need my almost 11-year-old, almost 9, and now 7-year-old. I need them to come to a place where they recognize their fallen nature. I need them to come to a place. Not that they just agree that Jesus' way is the best way. Not where they just trust mama and trust daddy. I need them to come to a place where the Holy Spirit breaks them down like the prophet Joel said. That they would weep between the porch and the altar to a point where they are like a widow who has lost her first love. Broken in their sin. Understanding that there was nothing that they could do to earn their salvation. And apart from Christ, they are destined for eternal separation. But because of Jesus. Why has my almost 11-year-old not received water baptism? Why has my almost 9-year-old not been water baptized in front of everybody? My 7-year-old, he just likes to swim. I'm not letting him. A, I want to do it. It's like, because I want them, hear me, to come to a place where they are so broken by their sin that they understand the words of James that if you've broken one, you're guilty of them all. If you've ever told a lie, you're a liar. If you've ever taken one thing that doesn't belong to you, you know, like somebody's virginity. 
If you've ever taken one thing that doesn't belong to you, you're a thief. If you've ever looked at a woman to lust for her in your heart, you committed adultery. I need him to come to a place where it's not enough just to tithe. It's not enough just to serve. It's not enough just to attend. But they would recognize the even greater work was that Jesus Christ came down from heaven and accomplished what we couldn't accomplish. That he was tempted in every way and yet he never sinned. And he stood upon the cross of Calvary and declared that it is finished. And all of those who believe in him can be saved from their sin and set free for eternity. Like I want them to be born again. Born again. Confess Jesus as Lord and receive salvation. I want them to come to the point where the Holy Spirit unveils their eyes and they confess, ask for forgiveness, receive salvation. And this is so important. Repent. Repent and keep on repenting. Every time that the Holy Spirit shows them an area in their life that doesn't represent the life of Jesus, they repent. That's why Jesus said, if you see your brother in sin, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. Seven times, 70 times in the same day, if he asks for forgiveness and repents, because without repentance, there is no forgiveness. Oh, my bad. I mean to slap you. I'm, I'm really sorry. Okay, I forgive you. Oh, I'm bad. My bad. I didn't mean to slap you. Oh, my bad. I didn't mean to like, I'm going to hit you back, fool. <laughs> it's not repentance. An apology is not repentance. Repentance is changing your mind about what you're willing to walk in. Repentance is changing your heart about what you're willing to allow in. We need personal time with Jesus. We must be born again. We need a, a moment. Again, in conversation, a moment like Peter had. You remember that time Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side? Seems like a simple task, right? Get in the boat, go to the other side. Yes, sir. Like you have no responsibility. Get in the boat. Go to the other side. He didn't give them the details of the middle because we shouldn't need understanding in order to be obedient. I said, get in the boat and go to the other side. I about whipped my child silly with a, a, a not wet rag. It was a dry rag. That's why I kept, because it wasn't hurting him. I was like, I wish this thing was wet. Because <laughs> I told him to do something and he didn't do it. I said, get in the boat and go. All right, so, so here comes Jesus walking on water. And by the way, if you haven't listened to the song with Dante Bo in it that says, make it right. Oh, it's a great song. You know, when sin used to be sin. And when we did what mama said, because she said so, it's good stuff. I'm telling you, you got to go listen to it. It's a great, great song. So here comes Jesus walking on the water. And they think he's a ghost. And he says, no, it's me. And, and, then, and then Peter yells back, if it's you, bid me come to thee. Jesus is like, I told you to stay in the boat. All right, come on. Come on. I think Peter looked back at the disciples and said, what did he say? 
Y'all heard that? I went all Cajun. What he said? We don't say that. And what did he say? That is the problem. Anyways. All right. All right. So, so Peter gets out of the boat. And for a minute, he's good. He's like, look at me. But then something happens. Now, this is not a biblical absolute. This is just my, my thought. I, I just, this is what I'm thinking. I think Peter became confident in himself. Mm, me, my bad self, walking on water. Hey, stepping in the glory. And then all of a sudden, he realized that the weight of this world was more than he could carry on his own. And instead of keeping his eyes on Jesus, he became self-confident and ultimately began to drift back in to what Jesus wanted to deliver him from. And when he began to drown, when he realized his sin, he prayed a salvation prayer. He was scared for his soul. And he looked up to his Savior and he said, Lord, save me and Jesus Christ pulled him up out of the water slapped him on the cheek said next time get in the boat <laughs> number three I believe we were born to grow oh by the way I believe we were born again to grow I want to keep this as, uh, you know, engaging and, and entertaining because I just like to make people laugh. And, and if you laugh at something I say, normally I say it multiple times. And, or, anyway, so we must be born again. I want to show you a picture of, of my baby picture. There it is. That's me right there. Oh, in my, that's not actually even me. Um, it is one of my children. It actually says Megan. It says Fry Megan right here in the top left. And then Cersei Medic. That's actually Adeline. And you can see her little button. It's a pretty little peanut. It was so cool. Uh, by the way, she has a heartbeat in this picture. And she's a soul. I'm just saying. Okay. Just, all right. Let's, this, really, yeah, this really is a picture of me. My mom was a prophetess. And she put me in a baseball uniform because she just knew. Right? That's a, look, man, I don't know where them legs went. <laughs> I'm looking now, I'm like, man, these are stilts, and those look like thighs, but I don't know. So, uh, all right, let's fast forward. This is kind of a cool, oh, isn't this sweet? Look, yeah, yeah hey, y'all, you probably can't see it. That's my mama when she married my stepdad, Daddy Tim, and, and, uh, and Kelsey is a few years later. Um, and that was when my mom was almost probably Kelsey's age, honestly. And um, anyways, that's me. And it's hard for you to see, but I have a big brown mole right here. And uh, it's not because we were Hindu. That's not, it wasn't, had nothing to do with our faith. It was just something Jesus put on me. And I would go to school and people would call it a big brown booger. And it, I know, right? You got that big old brown booger on your head. Like, I don't know. It's a birthmark. God's mad at me. Okay, so... <laughs> So I would go home and I would cry, and uh, there's no telling how big that thing would be now. You'd be like, try to have conversations with me, you'd be like, mole. <laughs> Look at me in my eyes. That thing has eyes. Okay, anyways. So I would go home and, and I would cry about it, and so my mom paid to have the big brown booger cut off my head, and now I just have a scar, and you don't even know. It's like it was gonna be where my eyebrows connected. You think I was always looking at you like this, you know? 
<laughs> All right, fast forward. Look, no mole. I grew. Yay! Isn't that cool, man? I found that last week. That is the coach, Skip Bertman, right there. The champion of all champions. I love I love Coach Skip Bertman. I just thought it was cool. That, that really is me. Like, I didn't Photoshop in. That's his ginormous hand on my shoulder. All right, let's, uh, this is a fun one. We'll skip a few years. Look how happy she is to be married to that guy. That's me, y'all. It really is me. I had longer hair and no beard, a little soul patch. It was cool. Um, she was really happy. She was excited. That was our, our wedding day. And apparently this woman's excited too. I don't know. She's <laughs> photobomb. <laughs> I don't know who that is. I hope she's not watching. Uh, <laughs> here's, one, here's another one. This one's fun. Hey, whoa, how'd that get in there? That's... Uh, that's my sister, Kelsey. Hey! And then that's Pastor Weston. That's so funny. And by the way, she could not stand him in this picture. Now, who knew he had the hots for her the whole time? I thought we were friends. He was after my sister. But my wife, being more intuitive than me, she put them together when they were both not in a relationship with one another, but other people likely at that time, because neither one of them were good at being alone. So, so here they are, and they're together, and Kelsey's like, man, Wes is like, yeah, girl, you know? And so he strikes a pose. Anyways, now 13 years and six kids later, we're, you know, all married and happy, and my wife put that together. I just thought it would be funny to show. All right, here's the final one, final one. Gabriel, just a few years ago. I know, Gabriel's precious, but look at that beard, though. That's really the only reason I put that picture in there. It's like, I just wanted y'all to know, like, well, I'm growing in professionalism, okay? I understand that, you know, some people like my mom don't like, but man, I might do that again this duck season. So if I grow that out again, y'all just hang in there with me. Okay, here's the point. <laughs> Besides the fact that everybody's awake again. Um, the point is, as I grow older physically... I was actually created to grow stronger spiritually. I was created for that. We were born to grow. We were born again to do the same thing. From infancy, come on, to when you, you begin to get your, your legs underneath you, and walk in the spirit, you begin to speak, maybe even in a heavenly language, a personal prayer life, you develop time with, I know you're not there, I know, but you weren't created to just be there. You were created to grow there. How, it wouldn't even be fun if we were just there. Like, like part of the fun is watching people grow up. Like, I wouldn't want my child to go from a newborn to a 30-year-old in a day. You know how much you would miss? God's the same way. Come on, when you're first born, yeah, I know, you came out ugly. <laughs> your beak bigger than your head. It's, just, it's not clean. It's a mess, right? It's messy at first. It's hard to learn how to walk and and be disciplined just because you want everything to be yours, right? 
But then you become an adolescent and a teenager and you, you begin to understand that this thing's not about you. Then you become a young adult and kind of get your feet underneath you and serving Jesus 30 or 40 years and you're, you're settling in and you're, you're finding your kazon. It's the Hebrew word for sweet spot. You're doing what God has called you to do and then you're in your 50s and your 60s and you realize that you need to develop a plan of succession. Come on, Elijah. If you don't pass it to somebody, it will die with you. And you want to pass a legacy on to the next generation that they can lift up and carry further than you could. So you spend your 50s and 60s investing, pouring into somebody, getting nothing in return. 70s, 80s, 90s. You just do whatever you can do for the sake of the kingdom of God because you believe that you still have the spirit of God residing in you and blood pumping through your body for a divine purpose. Because if he could impregnate Sarah at 90 years old, then he can use you to help somebody be born again. There's never a time where you look and you go, okay, that's enough. The reason... The reason that I know for myself personally, I have two dates in my head. July 7th, 1991. I can see it. It It's the day that I publicly professed Jesus as Lord. I think I was just turned seven years old. And then at nine years old and 12 years old and 16 years old and 19 years old and 21 years old. I did it again and again and again and again and again. And at 21 years old, February 2006, I confessed Jesus as Lord and I followed him and I never stopped. From that day, I never stopped growing. See, people think they need to be born and born and saved and saved and and born again and again and again. Why? Because they keep going back to death. Jesus said like a a dog returning to his vomit. And that's gross. I, I wouldn't say that. Jesus said it. But that's how serious he was about this. Like, good, you're being obedient and coming to church. Good, you're a part of a small group good you're you're discipling somebody never stop growing the apostle paul said not that i have arrived but i press on why because we weren't just born again to be saved we were born again to grow in our salvation first samuel chapter 2 26 says the boy samuel grew taller and, and grew in favor with the lord and with the people This was imagery. This was foreshadowing of who Jesus would be. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. Hey, listen. If Jesus needed to grow, you ain't him. Me either. I got to grow. You know the beauty of the gospel? Here's the beauty of the gospel. This is where you are, but this is where God has for you to be. And there's so much to discover in between here and there. It's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation says, look what you've done. You'll always be this way. Look where you are. This is what you deserve. Conviction says, oh, look at where you are. 
This is where you are, but this is the way out. This is what you've done, come on, but this is what I did for you because that is not who I created you to be. This is who I created you to be. You were born to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Colossians chapter one, verse nine says, Paul reminding the people that they're being prayed for. Listen, you're being prayed for. You were prayed for this morning before you got here. The Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, intercessing, interceding on your behalf right now. That means, come on, last week, no matter how good or bad it was, Jesus Christ was fighting powers and principalities off you that you didn't even know you needed to be praising him for. His glory is your rear guard. Praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Watch this, verse 10, then. Then you will always honor and please the Lord with the way that you live. See, if you try to live it without his presence, then it's just gonna keep falling short. Guys, Sunday, Sunday's biblical. Gathering together, it's, it's very biblical. Gathering publicly is biblical, but it's not enough. It's not enough for you to know the Jesus that I know. It's not enough for you to understand what your grandparents understood. It's not enough for you to understand what the last generation understood. His mercies are made new every morning, but you got to spend some time with him for him to speak. He said, if you'll get to know God, then you will live in honor and you will please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. And all the while, watch this, it's not just a good idea. You will grow. As what? As you get better at this? No, you're not going to get better at this. You will grow as you learn to know God. So, watch. The pressure to perform, it's off. The pressure to produce, gone. Here's your one responsibility. Pursue his presence. Know Jesus, for he who knows the Son. Living a life of repentance, not returning or being satisfied with willful sin. I'm not talking about making a mistake. I'm not talking about stumbling. I'm not talking about somebody jumping out from behind the closed door and scaring and you saying what was in your heart the whole time, okay? It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying willingly living in an egregious, abominable sin and thinking that God has changed his mind about how he murdered his only begotten son. God has not changed his mind about sin. He knew what it would cost and he paid for it anyways. That's conviction. This is where you are. This is the way out. 
Charles Spurgeon said it this way, repentance, repentance without repentance, changing your heart and your mind about how you see sin. Repentance is as much a mark of a Christian as faith. A very little sin, as the world calls it, is a very great sin to a true Christian. I can't stay there. I can't stand that I even went there. That's the mark of a believer. Jesus said it this way in the casual conversation with Nicodemus in verse 19. The judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. John had already defined the light in chapter 1. Remember he said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And in verse 14, he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And right there in the middle, it says, in him was the life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness, I love this, can't even comprehend it. So when you're in Jesus, the darkness can't see you. When you're walking with Father, He can't be fallen. You can't be forsaken as long as you keep following. Because you're in the light. And the darkness doesn't even get to know what's going on. He continues, verse 20, all who do evil hate the light. Why do we return to our sin? Because we love our sin more than we love Jesus. It's not even about hating anything. It's not about what you hate. It's about who you love. Why, why would I be faithful to him? Because I'm, I'm getting to know him. And I just can't go back to the way that I was without him. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for the fear their sins will be exposed. I'd rather hide it like Adam and hope God doesn't come ask about it. Verse 21, but those, this is conviction, but those who do what is right come to the light. Did you notice the first thing that you have to do in order to do what is right is come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. I close with this continued quotation from Charles Spurgeon. He says, a sinner can no more repent and believe without the Holy Spirit's aid. Remember Paul wrote this. That a carnal mind cannot understand the things of God, but by the Spirit of God. A sinner can no more repent and believe without the Holy Spirit's aid than he can create a world. So if you can't create a world, you need personal time with Jesus. If you can't create a world, you must be born again. And if you're born again, you need to understand this. You were not born again to go back and commit spiritual suicide over and over and over again. You were created to grow. That is actually a relief. 
pursue his presence. And he will perform his works through you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes today? If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're confident of who you are in Christ, then I would just simply invite you to ask the Lord this. Holy Spirit, is there any area of my life that does not fully represent you? Is there anything in me that needs to be exposed? I would rather confess it on earth than pay for it in eternity when you already paid for it. Is there any area of my life that you need to shine your light on? Lord, show me. Shine your light. Let your light shine. And then to begin to present that area to him. Don't walk out of here afraid. You should be confident of who you are in Christ. And you should approach the throne of grace with boldness of who he is. Church, I want to invite you to pray right now and, and, and intercede and ask. If you're in the room this morning and you're not confident of who you are in Christ, it's because you're not perfect. It's because you're fallen. It's because you've sinned just like everybody else. And sin separates you from the Father. But Jesus came so that you didn't have to be separated anymore. He bridged the gap between our evil and his righteousness. And in order to have a moment that you can point to, all you have to do right now is confess him as Lord. In order to be born again, all you have to do is admit your sin, ask for forgiveness, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and confess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. It really is as simple as the ABCs. So if you need that moment, or maybe you've had that moment, but for whatever reason, you drifted away. And you're like the one that needs to come again and ask for forgiveness again. And truly repent. If that's you, I want to invite you to open your hands right where you are. Position yourself in a posture of surrender. This is an act of obedience. You're just acknowledging, you're admitting, hey, that's me. I need to be born again. I need to be forgiven. I need to receive salvation right now. I need to recommit my life to Jesus today. I don't want to walk out of here the same way I walked in. If that's you, open your hands in your lap. Church, I want to ask you to pray so that anybody that needs to pray this out loud would have the confidence to know that they are not alone. If you're watching online, I wanna invite you to pray with your mouth, confess with your mouth, use your words. You don't have to scream it, but you gotta say it. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen short, where I've sinned. My sin separates me from you and your will, but you gave your life so I could live. You died on the cross. You shed your blood. You paid for my sin. You were raised from the dead so I could be born again, made new. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. Take my life and make it yours. May this be my moment that I can always point to as my salvation Make me new every morning. I surrender all. 
right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can you give God praise today?